0: Good afternoon, and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes by searching for the Liberty Block. I'm also delighted to report that we can now be found also on LRN.FM. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live whether on Zoom or by phone, and share your thoughts. And if you're Zooming into this, you can also put your thoughts into the chat. So with that, welcome everybody, and we're going to get started.
1: Hi, Steven. Hi, Jody.
2: Hi, guys. Hi, Mike. We got to- So anybody
0: following the news knows that there's a plethora of subjects to discuss Um, some of which we'll get to, some of which we probably will not get to. There's obviously the impeachment. There's what's going on with immigration. There is the proposed domestic terrorism bill, which could affect all of us, unfortunately, very directly. There's the wearing two masks for COVID and whatever else is going on with COVID. There's Mike Lindell being canceled by Bed Bath & Beyond, etc. The continuation of cancel culture. There is apparently an attempt to once again, try and make Washington DC into a state. And we may talk about the, what's looking more like permanent stationing of troops in Washington DC. So those are the topics that we will be touching on at least some of them. And with that, I'll turn the show over. Jody, would you like to start with any subject?
2: Ooh, any subject. Uh, you know, I think I would like to start with um, the. Well, can we get into the Tulsi Gabbard? Have you guys been watching her? And she has been beautifully articulating the dangers of like the Mike Glendale and the cancel culture. And the, uh, she, you know, she's a Democrat and God love her. She sees writing on the wall. She's been very vocal. Um, and, you know, the words that they use. I the 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 uh, the white supremacists. They played the clip. I don't know if you saw it with John Brennan, where he listed the list of you know white supremacists, white nationalists, and even libertarians. It really they really are trying to move that ball to basically just say anyone who believes in small government is is part of that evil bag of groups, super dangerous. And they use the word conspiracy theory all the time. And I can't help, every time I hear that, I think to myself, these people using words like conspiracy theory are the same people that believe everything that they hear on CNN and MSNBC and ABC World News. And I kind of feel like you guys all have no leg to charge misinformation or conspiracy theories when you believe stuff that is easily proven to be false in the here and now. So. I don't know, I'm impressed with Tulsi Gabbard lately. My 13 year old daughter is watching her. I love that. So that's where I wanna start.
1: Okay, Ed. Well, well, Tulsi Gabbard has definitely said some heroic things. She's come out against what the Democrat party is doing. Um, I think that the issue that most concerns me is is the censorship issue. And that's what Tulsi is talking about. Um, and I think I think that we're seeing, Andrew Breitbart said that politics is downstream of culture. And we're seeing right now that the culture is rapidly accepting limitations on speech and limitations on the free exchange of ideas and the ro- free and ex- robust exchange of ideas. And her quote from Brennan, it's chilling. Uh, yeah. Not that she said it, but what Brennan said. And that I would go further than say it's he, Brennan was not just talking about small government people. They're trying to me, they're very clearly going after anyone who can be considered a political enemy mm-hmm. and, and they're using censorship to try and enforce that. And it's time we we need to understand that the culture is changing very rapidly and, the next step after culture changes is for the politics to change. And we're starting to see that already. And if we don't stop, step up and do something to alter the trajectory at which the culture is moving and changing, we are going to wind up in a police state. We're going to wind up with not just private companies censoring us, but with the government censoring us, probably in unison with these private companies. And the rubber is meeting the road. The clock is running out. I. I you know, I can give you as many metaphors as you want, but we're, we're in a very big danger zone right now. And the whole notion that we need to let the, the market settle itself, the market can fix the solution, can be the solution. Uh, I know that's a standard libertarian refrain, but in this situation, it's painfully obvious to me where the allegedly free market is going to lead us right now. And we need to do something to intervene with these companies and with the government itself.
0: Okay, so Ed, I'm going to challenge you. What exactly would you do with a Democrat run Congress, a Democrat in the White House, the courts the way they are, at best, super, super slow? What is it somebody could do?
1: Well, there are lots of things that could be done on various levels. I mean, last week we teased, you know, what, is it time? You, you had asked him whether it was time to go Galt. And I had said, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think it's time to go Galt, but we can talk about going Reardon. And those are two characters from Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrug book. Um, I think that going Reardon, going Galt, just so that the, anyone who hasn't read the book knows, going Galt means pr- producing only as much as you need for yourself to live and not producing anything that can be looted or seized or taken away from you. Going Reardon, by contrast, is where you you don't cooperate with the system so that their use of force has to be made clear and apparent and your consent so much of the force that's being going that's being perpetrated against us today they don't even have to point a gun at us we just put a mask on our face you know we just follow their rules Um, and there are lots of things that we can be doing you know at, at the government level there are there are there are a lot more Republican controlled states, whether it's Republican controlled legislatures, governors, legislatures, and governors together, counties, you know, county sheriffs can be getting together and creating constitutional free zones. Um, you know, members of Congress, you know, Lori Beaupert is a, a great example. She, she talked about uh, wanting to carry a gun into Congress, and they're saying that she's not allowed to. She should not take her gun off, she should make them arrest her. She should make the Sergeant at Arms point a gun at her, put handcuffs on her, let them do that. And other Republicans need to do that as well. Not that I want to put the Republican party in jail, but the naked use of force has to be made clear and obvious to everybody. Um, There are other examples I'm sure I could think of. I don't want to hog everyone's time here. So I
0: spoke about Lauren Boebert a little bit last week because I think they're coming after her in a ruthless, they're literally Palinizing her from every single direction. But Pelosi, I don't know if she passed it or not, but she's talking about a $5,000 a day fine for various things. So she says to Bobert, you carry your gun, we're fining you $100,000. What is this poor mother of a bunch of children supposed to do? Who's going to back her up? So Reardon had the financial wherewithal at least, but at a certain point, you're standing alone against the whole government that-
2: You know, I think that signifies a problem that I've seen for a long time. Is, you know, when you try and speak out, or, uh, and I, I, this hasn't happened to me necessarily personally, but I see people on the right who try and speak out, and the attacks are so uh, monumental often, and then they get fatigued because one person can only take it for so long. There's not a lot of Katie Hopkins out there. She's willing to, you know, lose jobs and lose all her stuff. Uh, there's not a lot of people out there who can withstand that for long periods of time. And so somehow I think we have to have that, you know, when we see one of our own being treated that way, we, we have to somehow engage with that person and with that moment and say, you cannot do that to her, even if it's not happening to you
1: somehow. Right. Okay. So
0: how do you, how do you, I, do you
1: do that? I, I, I don't, first of all, have, I don't so. think that they have the authority they can pass rules to conduct, to govern their own proceedings, but they don't have the authority to to send a sheriff out to take her property if she doesn't pay that fine.
2: Yeah, I'm not even just, I'm not even talking about the legal aspects. I'm talking about the social, the, 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 the attacks, the-, the, the Right, the well,
1: the Republicans are going to need to stand together. Yes,
2: They're that's going what I'm together.
1: saying. And they need to stand together. I mean, you've got a crazy rule that, that, that Pelosi in, instituted in the House that they can't use gender specific pronouns. Yeah. They should all get up one after another and say she is doing the wrong thing. She is this and she is that and use all sorts of pronouns and say if she wants to arrest us, let her try and come after us. So and they they're should-
2: really, they're really good at gathering that mob around those things, right? Don't you see i like mean, literally they are then a mob onslaught. How dare you question this? You racist white nationalist, you you know, you hate gays cuz you question this. They're really good at the mob onslaughts against people, the few people that are really willing to- so
0: Jody, you know, they're just doing rules for radicals, pick a target and freeze it. And that's what they're doing. I don't see practically speaking, five Republicans standing up for Lauren Boebert. Do you I see don't either.
2: This is what I'm saying is the problem. That woman, whatever she stands up to do, it can't last forever because she's gonna be exhausted by the mob. And, we and she's need- a
0: married woman with children. And sooner or later, the pressure is going to take you down. And I don't know how anybody can withstand
2: Yes, No, we have to get in on that game where we become more mob-like on behalf of those who are, you know, risking so much to stand up to something.
0: Well, I know that I called her office and said, keep it up. I don't know who else did. And I wish 50,000 people would do that because I can imagine how lonely and scary it is. She's a freshman congresswoman with a GED going up against all the powers that be, all ripping into her, and if she's not feeling support, I don't know how long somebody like that can last. No, I don't think so. Now, and I- Bill Bill Whittle had an idea the other day, which I thought was interesting, although I think it won't happen. He's. It was sort of this going Galt, going Reardon idea. I don't know if you watched his show, but he said... If they can refuse internet service to us because of their terms of service, why can't a mechanic say, you know what, these are my terms of service. I'm not fixing your car. I'm not fixing your plumbing. I'm not fixing your air conditioning. Not this no, I don't think the government would allow anybody to, just like they wouldn't allow you to not bake a cake. And you're the
1: attorney. Would that ever be allowed? I don't think that they could prosecute you for that. But I, I think as a practical matter, if you're a plumber, What are you going to do? You're going to you're going to make it a a prerequisite of service that person identify a political allegiance.
0: Exactly what they are doing to us. Exactly. He's saying if Amazon can say we won't host your service, if you're going to talk libertarian talk and if you even know somebody who is anywhere near the Capitol, he's saying because we're saying we got to do something. And he's saying, you know what? If it cuts into our income, fine. But we need to stop helping these people. We need to say no. You I want piano lessons? We're not giving you piano lessons.
3: I you want like a car? We're not a car. That's no different than than when when you say we shouldn't trade with our enemies as a company. Why, why should we trade with our domestic enemies?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great proposal. It, it just as a practical matter, I'm not sure how you know when you you know when you dial down to you know four Main Street and you you come to the door. How you going to know whether the person's uh you know an ally or not
0: but that's what he said he he called his episode terms of service he said you print up a couple of pages you want to come into my grocery store here are my terms of service well, and if you sign off without reading them like we do that's fine too but my terms of service are you voted for donald trump my, you uh, voted for i'm sorry go ahead jody
2: steve no I'll, no i was gonna say i'm not so sure they need you to identify it i mean they have like yes, go on Facebook, and you can. I'm sure. I'm sure Zuckerberg and the likes would love to say, "Here's a list in your area of all people posting anti-Democrat pro stuff," and so businesses in this area have people to harass and say, "Nope, sorry, we don't serve the you." The problem
3: with that is you need everybody in lockstep. You need every Republican. Plumber to say, all right, I'm on board with that, and then hope that they don't live in New Jersey where Gov- Governor Murphy is going to turn off their electricity. So, <laughs> well,
1: well, that gets
0: to my point, Mike, totally totally is is the government totally going to totally allow that? And if you have terms of service, then what possible excuse would they not be able to allow you that?
3: Why can't a grocery well, store be have hypocr- terms
1: of service? But hip-
3: hypocrisy doesn't stop them. I, mean, that, I, that's I, I,
1: the I don't think you need everything start to say every long journey begins with the first step and I think that's a good first step and you know if some people take a hidden income I mean it's just like whether you're going to contribute you know to to a charitable cause that you agree with I mean I don't directly benefit from it but it's theoretically advancing my ideas I'm willing to earn less money to to advance my life and my values and my ideas I'm all for it and if some people want to get on the train later that's okay. I think I think that's a I think that's a great proposal. I think Bill Whittle's idea should be spread far and wide.
0: Well, that's what that's what we're doing. And I, I like the idea of terms of servants of service. Can you imagine if every business had a EULA where you have to sign on 50 pages that you read the fine print <laughs> and everybody clicked off? I think it really is a very interesting idea. And I think it's very much Atlas Shrugged like the people really doing the work. Okay, the ones fixing the swimming pools are saying,
3: we're not fixing your swimming pools. Well, is and it, we're not gonna your do hair, your hair, It's par- sorry, oh. Mike. No, I was gonna say, isn't your party registration public information too? I mean, <laughs> there's information out there that you can, you can get without- No, but having- his
0: idea is even better because he's having you sign the terms. Yeah. So I think that's, that's an even more interesting idea. Now, those of us who live in left states, in blue states, There's nothing we could do. I agree with you. It's not going to happen in a blue state, but it should be happening, at least in the mixed states and the red states, a little bit more where you're not going to get crushed by the government. Now, we keep talking about local governments fighting back, which is, you know, Daniel Horowitz on his podcast. That's his thing, local governments. But local governments aren't really fighting back very much. I mean, they're doing it a little bit more since the election. But, you know, maybe somebody who lives in North Carolina, can go to his local government and push them to be stronger, but you can't do that in New Jersey and you can't do that in New York.
2: A guy here in Illinois uh, um, owns a, I think it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a gun, sh- a gun uh, shop, and he said yes, yeah, not selling. I'm no longer selling to liberals now. There's not a lot of liberals buying here, so it's not like he just, you know, angered a whole lot of his customers. But he's tr- he's like, well. Goose, gander, I'm not going to serve, I'm not going to sell to liberals. Okay,
0: so Hank Reardon-like, there are gun people saying we're not going to sell to the cops and the military and the government. And that's very Hank Reardon-like in my opinion. Did I lose everybody? I think we're having Zoom issues, is everybody there? Everybody back
2: going to sell to government. I'm
0: sorry. We had Zoom issues. So you got to go back on what you just said. I apologize.
2: I was just going on. I think what you said was there are companies now refusing to sell guns and ammunition to police and government. But I got to imagine the police and the government have large, vast avenues to purchasing ammo and guns, right?
0: I don't know. That's a Hank Reardon issue, isn't it? They're saying we come first or something. I know that they're basically saying if you're gonna close down our businesses, we're not gonna to sell to you. Now, whether they're implementing that or not, I can't tell you for sure. But I think that's a Hank Reardon type thing to do. Ed, you're the Hank Reardon expert.
1: I think I think that would be a Hank Reardon thing to do. And I think that's a good thing, a good thing to do. And if the government has other places to buy, let them buy. And I think this self-segregation is a is a good thing. I think we need to split off from people that are trying to kill us, people that are trying to cut us off from their economy and their institutions. Great. Fine, Did, we'll create our own.
2: And you bring up a good point because you know, I deactivated my Facebook. And then I'm watching Tulsi Gabbard and sh- in the very end, you know, she talks about the antidote being keep speaking. Make sure you keep speaking. And then I started feeling guilty for getting off of Facebook because I thought, did I basically buckle and now I'm not speaking on that platform? But there's the other part of me that said, and then there's the, do we really want to have everybody going more just to echo chambers? Is that a good thing long run? Maybe not. But then there's the whole issue of, do I really want to be on a platform that I feel is out to doesn't like me is going to censor things I say, even their, their fact checking, which is not fact checking. It's totally fact spinning. Do I want to engage like that? So I'm curious to know what you guys think about leaving places like Facebook or staying there to fight?
1: Well, I can tell you from Facebook for unspecified, undisclosed, unknown thought crimes, uh, I am careful not to incite violence, sort of use foul language or anything else that would violate terms of service. Um, I've been giving a lot of thought to the questions you're asking. Um, and I my, my presumption is to stay and fight. But the thing that's, that's sort of pushing me in the other direction right now is my belief that I don't me think too. that the platform is actually safe. I think they're sharing information with the me FBI. They're, they're, sending money, they're sending information to law enforcement with the express purpose of trying to put people like me in jail. That, yeah, I agree. Uh, at a minimum, I'm not sure that political speech is, is worth saying on Facebook or Twitter or any of these other platforms maybe I'll stay on just to follow. Maybe I'll make a comment here and there. Maybe I'll share. I don't know. I mean, I've never been sharing cat photos or anything like that, but maybe I'll start sharing things like that. Um, I don't know, but I mean, I, it, I guess I'm a victim of self-censorship in that sense, but it's also self-preservation. I, I don't want to give any more fodder to the, to, to law enforcement to come after me and, You know, I'll speak up as best I can, but I'm going to do it in venues that I think are more uh, advantageous for me to speak up.
0: So going back to Fighting Back and and the Mike Lindell story, if Bed Bath & Beyond, and I think Target, I'm not sure, is refusing to sell his product because of his political views, are all of us going to boycott Bed Bath & Beyond and let him know that? And is that something we should be doing?
2: I never shopped there anyway, so...
0: But should we be calling them up and saying, you know what, you're going to do, and by the way, we have this problem with banks. And there, I know people who are saying, I can't bank with Chase, I can't bank with Bank of America because banks are doing this kind of things. And when we're talking about what we can do as people to fight back, is it incumbent on us to boycott these people and let them know that we're aware of what they're doing?
2: Okay, so I think that brings up what I see as the problem If we're gonna engage in a sort of um, separation and okay, we no longer have any control over leftist media, leftist education, we have to create our own shadow parts of those, we're really far behind. How how, do we have a a mechanism to adequately um, do things like have banks that are hugely left? and are going to loan, continue to loan to gun manufacturers and gun sales. I mean, like, I'm not so sure we have the capacity and the um, structure in place to even compete in the marketplace of culture. We're so
3: far- It's hard. It's so pervasive. It's so pervasive. You have to pick your spots with certain things. (laughs) You know, I mean- Hollywood. Be part of our culture. I hate a lot of the actors and what they stand for. Am I going to stop watching every movie? Pretty much, I love baseball. I stopped watching, the. I stopped watching too, but I haven't watched an NFL game all year long. But again, where it, it's hard to completely cut it all off. And, and you know, Facebook is tough. Because that are on there, you know, value those things about it. On the other hand, we know they're the enemy. Facebook is our enemy. And not only could they be filtering stuff to the FBI on us, but, you know, we're also enriching them and that's another part of it. So I don't know what the, the right answer is. I would like to personally get off there if I could, but it's just very hard to, for me personally to pull the plug.
1: I think it's very pervasive as you say Mike and you know I've been I was thinking about how I've tried to not buy certain things but uh, you know, for instance, right now, but there, there's more of a sacrifice to my own life than, you know, than, uh, you know, hundred dollars or whatever it was I spent is going to be to their bottom line. Um, I try and give as little as I can to these organizations, but in the drum that it's, it's evil and immoral for us to be trading with China. And I've tried to stop buying things that come from China and it is yeah. just impossible. I mean, Everything has some connection to China, and there's just no way without becoming a completely self-sufficient, autarky. Uh, you know that we actively try not to spend money with these organizations, but you know, say for instance, Facebook, I don't spend any money on Facebook. If they, if people want to spend, you know, advertising dollars on me, good luck. I I don't, I don't pay attention to the ads. They're all wasting their money. And if Facebook thinks that they're, that it's getting rich off of it. I mean, to me, it's probably one bad guy enriching the other bad guy. And I don't really care. You know, if Google (laughs) is advertising on Facebook, I don't care which one of them has the money.
3: Again, it, it's to your point. I mean, it's like anytime I see buy global economy and anybody who's read eye pencil understands <laughs> that certain components when things are manufactured or whatever it might be, can come from all over the world. So even though we think we're cutting. Well, so, our, you I mean, know, I,
2: not- my product, my magnetic coasters, they're manufactured in the United here in Illinois. And most of them material comes from either Ohio or Michigan but does come from China and so yeah. I mean most of it is American-made which drives up the cost of my product but there is that one little part that I couldn't find anywhere else and I had to source it from China.
3: Well look at rare earth minerals I mean there's there's sort of an irony it's comical that you need that to build solar panels and windmill, wind turbines so whenever you hear leftists talking about clean energy, they don't like to talk about the fact that they're, you know, there's mining for rare earth minerals that's mainly done in China. And it's, it's an environmental catastrophe where it's done. So.
0: so I think what I'm talking about is we can't boycott China, but we can call Bed Bath and & Beyond and say, you know what, we're watching you. We can call Chase Bank and say, we're watching you because, again, they're getting five twitters, five tweets, and they buckle, and they're not getting anything from the other side. So, I think at the very least, that's something we can do: is let them know we're watching. So, can we move well, on to we'll impeachment for a, a minute? Sure. Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> trying to figure out. Forget all the other illegalities doesn't the Constitution say that the Chief Justice shall preside and how does he get away with saying no and you have any ideas
1: on that well sure how do I I mean I have a lot of ideas he he looked at the facts he looked at what's going on and he decided this is not a, a constitutional impeachment he's not he's not just choosing not to not to preside just because he on a whim didn't want to preside you know this is a bugaboo your question gets at a bugaboo I have with the libertarian community in general. You know, they're, they're always talking about oh, the police, you know, they can't just blindly follow the law. They've got to use their own judgment. Well, okay, well, Roberts is using his own judgment right now. And law and, and reality is not self-executing. You've got you've to perceive it through consciousness and you've got to decide, how am I going to act? What do the facts say? What does the constitution say? And I think Roberts, I mean, we don't know his reasoning, but how can he get away with it? By reading the Constitution, by looking at the fact that Trump is no longer in office and therefore cannot be removed from office. And, and he says, this is not an impeachment trial. So I'm not, there's no shall that applies to me here. OK, so no. one second.
0: So he's making a judicial ruling without even having to write up a judicial ruling? And if he's, he's making a, a ruling, ruling, then it can't proceed.
2: is that a point that it can't proceed? I mean that is that just
1: he's what? not writing he's not writing an order telling them they can't proceed but he's telegraphing that if it does come before him later and on an appeal it tells you where what, what his view is. Now maybe the democrats are going to pack the court with five more members that are or six more members that are going to vote to uphold the proceed the process later but he's telling you where they stand right now. Okay, but you're saying
0: he hasn't told us why he's doing it, correct?
1: I don't think he's made a public
3: proclamation.
0: No, he just said, I'm not going to do my job. And I believe if you're not going to do your job, you need to resign or write a letter to Congress and say why you're not going to do your job. I've never had a job where I can say I'm not going to do it.
3: Well, why, why well, isn't I the Senate... Why isn't why the Senate... Senate attempting to force him and saying, "No, you, you're supposed to be here." This is well. I have that question issue. too.
1: He doesn't. He doesn't have. He doesn't have any duty to give his imprimatur to a, to a kangaroo court or to any kind of proceeding. He doesn't have to dignify it with anything. He Which can just to me say,
2: kind of is his statement of this is not constitutional.
1: Did he try right.
2: No, I'm just saying his, his unwillingness to engage might be his sort of statement because it's not constitutional that's
1: true they're supposed to give advice opinions they're not supposed to rule on matters that are not before them that's before him right now other than you know i mean it's it's like you know when a policeman arrests you he is he is deciding that you've broken a law does that mean that he's and jury.
0: Okay, I'm saying the no. opposite. The he's, Constitution he's says shell. Now, if he would have refused to sit in on. Sorry, I lost you there.
1: Did we lose you, Steve? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, I'm not just looks like I, Steve, did we lose you? You keep. I'm back. I'm in a...
2: All right, he might be-
1: How much have you heard? Okay. If you heard what That's I said, right But right. It, all I said was it's not just that the constitution that says shall, what, is it sh- what does it say shall about? He shall preside over an impeachment of the president. You need an impeachment of the president and, pre- and Trump is not the president.
0: Then he needs to write that this is unconstitutional and shut it down. You can't have it both ways. What if he said two weeks ago or six months ago when they impeached him last year, I don't want to sit on it. Would you agree then he needs to resign?
1: You mean the the first impeachment? Yes. If he didn't if he didn't preside over the first impeachment trial? Yeah, he just says I don't feel like it. I would think that that, the, that the, no. the he should be impeached. I would think that the House should impeach him <laughs> and the Senate should try it.
3: Yes, he swears an oath to the Constitution too, right? I mean, so I think they should. Die, be, they should be well, there. But saying, in this case... they
1: can't have this every way from Sunday.
0: The Constitution says shall. Yeah. Either he writes that this is unconstitutional and they need to listen to that since they yell about listening to him, or they impeach him for not doing his duty. This is ridiculous game that you can have Leahy presiding over a trial, which the Supreme Court is saying is a farce, without saying it's a farce. It's
1: not an impeachment trial. I don't understand what your what the problem is. It is a and farce. And the Supreme Court is ruling it's not an impeachment them- trial, therefore there's no trial. And then Trump should not show up. And this court doesn't rule anything. Only Roberts gets a say on it. Only Roberts gets a say on it. The matter's not before the whole court.
0: So what I'm saying is then there's no reason
1: for Trump to show up. I disagree. I I don't understand why the Republicans want to dispense with this whole impeachment game. I can't think of a better way to spend the next three months than to go through a long drawn out impeachment trial, especially even more so with it being a kangaroo court bogus proceeding because everything that comes out is gonna make Trump look better, but more fundamentally, I I think this, what is the alternative? If the Senate is in business passing Biden's agenda, that's not what I want the Senate to be doing. I'd much rather have the Senate spend all of its time determining whether trump was an insurrectionist god bless him let him go 6 months I, the more the merrier it's the least pernicious thing they could do and the republicans should welcome it and, and and on top of it not only would it be wasting the democrats precious time and while they have the majority i think trump is going to come out smelling like a rose from it
0: okay I would insurrection, say that. there's
1: a whole bunch of reasons why it's going not- to but if Leahy is presiding over Go the ahead. trial,
0: he can gavel it closed after the first 10 minutes and call for a vote. And there's nothing anyone can do.
1: He could. Well, actually, I don't think he could because the Senate sets the rules, not just the, presi- the, presiding, the person presiding over the impeachment. But you're right, the Democrats control. And that gets back to what I was saying earlier about going Reardon. The, the the republicans should make clear if it's a kangaroo court they should make it clear there's a kangaroo court and they shouldn't cooperate with making it into a legitimate proceeding And the left the left is telling us it is an
3: insurrection why do you say it isn't
1: number one it was pre-planned number two nothing trump said was incite was incitement on any reasonable definition of the law
3: three.
1: number three it was certainly uh for number three the police let people into the Capitol. They didn't just overrun the Capitol. The police let them in. Number four, they had a right to be there, even though they wound up doing things they weren't entitled to do. Number five, as as wrong as their as as their behavior was, they didn't come there with guns. They didn't come there. There, there was never a point where the the U.S. government's future was in doubt. was if trump is the commander-in-chief of the of the armed forces if he wanted to commit an insurrection he wouldn't be doing it with a bunch of marauders he would be doing it with the army and it it's just it's preposterous to say that it's an insurrection so so go ahead jody
2: no i was just going to bring up some of the arguments i've seen from the left and get your um thoughts on it i don't know if you guys have looked but i I, first of all i think it's political theater in a ruse but one of the, they were saying some some leftist constitutional authorities have said that in the Constitution. So if the two thirds of the Senate do uh, vote to indict, then they can have a second vote to remove this individual from ever being able to hold, enjoy any office, trust, or profit under the U.S.
1: Well, you got to let that me just correct some of your terminology. The the Senate doesn't indict. Indictment is the equivalent of impeachment. the The House is the one that impeaches/slash indicts. The Senate tries it. If the Senate convicts, then you have the second vote, which is what we call a disqualification vote. So, okay. go ahead.
2: So if the Senate convicts, yes, then they can have another vote to then disqualify this person. Which I think you guys probably all agree. This is really the impetus behind all. All of it that's, of but course they're that's also saying that there is precedent for um impeaching somebody not no longer in office going back to uh, ulysses s grant uh i don't remember his name he was this um secretary of war and he was impeached after he was out of office and i believe he was indicted so they're saying oh yeah no there's precedent." impeaching people after they've been in office. What do you guys think of that? I'm saying that's their argument.
1: I've heard of that case. I know it happened during the Grant administration in the 1870s. Um, I'm not aware I, I, don't, I haven't looked into the specific facts, but just as a general proposition, I think it's just wrong. Um, based on what you're telling me right there, one distinct I can draw right off the bat is nobody is indicted to do an an impeachment after he's out of office but okay in theory then i might be able to understand it especially given that the impeachment was handed down before he left office they can't you know he can't just avoid an impeachment say by resigning or he can't uh, avoid disqualification vote by resigning or by having his term end i get that but that's not the facts that we have today there's no there's no uh, prosecutor in D.C. or in the federal government that's looking to indict President Trump for what he did on... 46. Um, but even in long requirements, for what you have to have to be president, you have to be 35 years old, uh, 35 years of age, you have to be a natural born citizen. You know, there's no requirement that you have to have the approval of Congress before you can run, and that's effectively what impeachment of a private citizen is doing. It's adding an additional requirement to what you have to to who can be president, and that's not what the Constitution. Well,
2: aside says. from that, like add like you mentioned and they have no case, no logical, reasonable, rational case anyway. So it's clearly political theater.
1: Right, and the Republicans should make that clear and they should bring in as many witnesses as they need to make case. And and like I said, the longer they can make this trial go, the better. I mean, what what else are they gonna do? Pass a $15 an hour minimum wage? Pass the Green New Deal? Pass the Iran deal? Pass immigration reform? I'd much rather they spend this time doing a doing a trial on whether Trump is an insurrectionist. That's at least something we could win. I agree. So if
0: I call you up and I'm a Senate Republican, and I say, Ed, you're a lawyer. What should we do? What would you advise me to do?
1: I wouldn't want to cut the witnesses off based on what was presented to the house. I would try and drag this out as long as possible. And, and I'd try and have as much information given to the public as possible. And I'd let president Trump have his, have his say. I would tell president Trump to show up and he gets to make his case. He gets to tell people, I mean, he's being silenced all over, you know, on all the social media platforms. He's got a, mic. He can, he can have a microphone right in front of his mouth and talk for as long as If the Democrats don't call them, I'd let the Republicans call him and let them
2: be to watch just to watch
3: them.
1: Steven, it looks like we've we've lost you again on our Zoom.
3: Well, one last word on that. That Bell, I think, it was the Bell Nap case, was the Secretary of War from the eighteen hundreds. You know, I read up on it a bit. And I just disagree with what they did I don't think it was right. I don't think they should be going after any formerly elected officials, even if it was a cabinet position. And if the, the founders wanted that, I think they would have explicitly stated that. But I think it's pretty clear that they didn't say anything about a retroactive impeachment or an impeachment after you left office because the whole point of it was to remove you from office. So I think this whole thing is just like you said, it's, it's a big a big farce, and the Republicans should try to
1: drag it out as long as they could.
2: Let the farce be exposed in real (laughs) time to the American people.
1: That's that's what going rewritten is all about, Jody. It's about not cooperating to the point where the farce is totally exposed, and they they delegitimize themselves by the way they speak and what they say.
2: I like it. I like it.
1: So you were
3: talking about... um... Tulsi Gabbard, I think she really was heroic in what she was saying, and it's it, I think she's hated by her own party because she, the rest of them do. Um, she's
2: so reasonable, and when you what I find fascinating about people like her and the you know the the Cal Exit people, they really get the dangers of government. And they're not afraid to speak of it, and yet they continue to believe that with the right people, they should get control of our healthcare system so that everybody gets like, there is that even with Tulsi, you know, she's so reasonable. And I really like that about her. And then she'd be like, you know, government single payer healthcare. It just, those things kind of are bizarre, but I'm super impressed with her. And she's willing to be uh, joining our side in being vilified and hated. By her own party yeah
1: yeah I think that we, we're all on the same page as that um looks like Steve has dropped off so why don't we finish up we've got a couple more minutes left uh hopefully Steve will come back and be able to add his thoughts but um
2: well we got we we we, we uh does anybody want to talk about wearing two masks coming up
3: well, I was going to mention, you know, Rand Paul, uh, he, Oh yeah. he basically said, and I agree with him at this point, is that they're just never going to let go of any of this. It doesn't matter how many people are vaccinated. Nope. Or anything. So, you know, I, I think we need to, at a certain point, uh, have a big bonfire day where all of us get together in various corners of the country. <laughs> And just throw them all on a fire and light them up and say that that's it, because I think that's what's going to have to come to, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, you know, their pretense for this uh, double masking, triple masking, whatever, you know, uh, is that this new strain is uh, a lot more contagious. And I, and I, I, I listen to their arguments and I'm like, here we go again, where you pick one sliver of the issue, the one that you can scare people the most to get them to comply with this new okay now two masks but they're not talking about the new strain how deadly is it how virulent is it you know it's one thing okay well it could it could pass quickly and easily and be a nothing burger as far as being humanly dangerous and that's the part that they conveniently leave out because last i heard it's markedly less virulent and dangerous now i could be wrong but i did hear that but
1: Yeah, and even if it's contagious, even if it's deadly, that's still not an excuse for to say what it is and to and to oppose it. Um, I think that the best way to, to oppose it is, is at the local level. There are lots of places in this country that are not run by, by Democrats. If, if New York City or New Jersey wants to have a mask mandate like that, I mean, I oppose it, but and I not only oppose it, but I would do what I could to stop it. But the way to, to begin to reverse things is to look in these places that are completely run by supposedly Republicans and 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 put up a sanctuary constitutional rights sanctuary in those counties i mean it would be great if we were at a state level but okay if, if there you know there are there are some states that that might qualify for that maybe you know wyoming or or south dakota or north dakota or something but you know okay counties in lots of you know you can have counties in california for that matter right. and there's no reason why at the county level you can't have you know, sheriffs getting together and saying, we're not going to enforce these laws. And, and, and you know, nobody, we're not going to enforce, them. we're going to sign petitions and we're going to tell the, why are you doing this? Um, I think at the state level, there are, there are other things that the state, you know, the, the governors could be doing. They could be, you know, I, I, I you know, I look at, um, you know, this is getting more into the, the going Reardon thing, but I mean, you know, Arizona and Texas both have, have demo, uh, Republican governors. You know, we have this whole immigration battle coming up. Why don't they mobilize their own National Guard and patrol the border, militarize the border? And if Biden wants to say you can't do it, well, come and arrest all 10,000 of these guys or 20,000. And if they hire enough people, they can, I'm sure people would volunteer from, from everywhere, from Montana to, to Maine to, to go and, and appear. Um, make them have to do, make them have to flaunt their weapons and their force in front of the whole country and the whole world. Maybe they're willing to do it, maybe they won't, Um, but we need to start somewhere.
2: That that kind of action might help play into the Texas um, nationalist movement to sort of demonstrate their ability to take care of their own state on their own.
1: That too. And I think in response to DC statehood, which is something that's already on the agenda, um, you know, leaving aside the constitutional issues, um, and I think that the constitutional issues are real and warrant um, lawsuits the day that legislation gets introduced. But Texas isn't legisl- the legislation that it, that admitted Texas to the union specifically allows Texas to split itself up into five different states, which is an exception to the constitutional requirements that I think would prohibit D.C. from becoming a state. Uh, the Texas legislature recovered controlled by Repo- Re- Republicans should start introducing bills to, to separate Texas into five five states, well, you know, instead of having two senators, they can have 10. Let's see how let's see how the Democrats react to that. We need to fight fire with fire.
2: I didn't know that. Ed. Now, was that was that a negotiation done at the time of purchase?
1: Texas wasn't purchased. Texas was its own uh, republic. It had, it acquired its own independence in 1836. It entered the union in 1845 pursuant to, I don't think it was a treaty, but I know there was legislation and the legislation admitting Texas to the union specifically provides that Texas has the right to split into five different states. Now there is an argument on the other side that when Texas seceded during the civil war and then had to be readmitted. The readmission supersedes the original admission, but that would be something to be litigated later.
0: Interesting, I did not know that. Can we all agree that that the the Constitution doesn't matter in any direction? Because if DC gets passed by Congress to be a state, and Mr. Roberts says that's fine, it doesn't matter what the Constitution
1: says. Okay. We have to I do mean, the best that we can do. That's we even can do. We Mark Levin, a who
0: we're way past, I think, says we're way post-constitutional. And there's no reason why they can't do that. By the way, there's really nothing to stop them from saying, well, look what's going on with counting illegals. Um, they're just going to do whatever they want to do. And by the way, I'm not sure what's to stop them from saying we're going to give left states, blue states, 10 senators each. What would we do? We're so post-constitutional well, we say we'll go to the Supreme Court. They'll say, "Fine, we'll pack the Supreme Court," just like we did in the New Deal. Uh, that, which is why I don't think there are any um, any legal, peaceful resolutions to this because they're so far out on a limb in what they're willing to do right now. Did we talk about this domestic terrorism bill?
1: Uh, I, not yet. Not really. I
0: think I think we mentioned it, but if it's going to be, I know Tulsi Gabbridge spoke about it. If this is going to be anything like what they're saying, they can close everybody down for anything they want. I believe there's even something there about confiscating assets of people who are, I don't that know, will just shut
2: people up really quick. I mean, you start threatening people's livelihoods and their stuff. People are. I and
0: guess- before anybody says we can't confiscate assets, let's talk about civil forfeiture, where they confiscate assets of people whenever they feel like it. And the only thing you can do is go to court and fight for years and years and hope that -hmm. you win. So why can't they confiscate assets? And Somebody pointed out to me, it's just a few clicks right now on a computer to confiscate assets. So they can go to Jody, say, Jody, you're on this wacko show that's talking about insurrection, and take everything you own.
3: Listen, the the gentleman that owns a gym in New Jersey, a a, a Tillis Gym, uh, he's gotten national notoriety for fighting. He's... uh, restrictions and lockdowns couldn't open his business they actually went into his bank account and took the money out they did do that yes they did
1: well and what are we doing they went through the process of of uh they did go through legal process in doing that they got the sheriff to do a a levy on his bank account and they seized it that way so it's not quite as you're implying it's not like they just said Oh, there's his account. Let's take it. They, they the, go through the. But point. it was only a
3: few clicks, just like.
2: <laughs> a legal process for that under this circumstance. I that's scary. Why well, can't? Why would that not be abused? Why is that not? I mean, well, I see. They got a
1: judge. They got it. They got it. The state got a judgment. Once they got the judgment, then they go and they look for the bank account. And once they find a bank account, they ask the sheriff to levy at the bank account, and the bank has to freeze the account and. I've done collections work in New Jersey, so I know that process well. They freeze the the bank freezes the account. They give the notice to the debtor, and the debtor has, I think, ten days to object and explain why the money shouldn't be released to the creditor. And if he does, then there's a hearing. If if he doesn't, then the money gets released to the sheriff. And he obviously the Attilas Gym owner didn't contest it. I mean, what was he going to say? I mean, they they find him and he didn't oppose it. There was no he had no defense at that point. I mean, the the dumb thing was leaving his money in the accounts. He should have taken the money out of the account. You know, and where wife, can he put he, his money? He could Nowhere. Have put it in his wife's name. He could have put it in his children's name. There's lots. They of- know exactly what you took out, and they can say we saw you move
0: it, and we're taking it anyway. And they can well, do that a, overseas.
1: I'm telling you, as a lawyer who's done that exact kind of work it's an arduous process it's not easy to do and Um, i mean he has business partners he could set it up and he could set up another corporation there's lots of ways they can hide money a determined crook i mean and i'm not saying he's a crook but i dealt with a lot of determined crooks who didn't want to pay their debts they can avoid they, they they can make your life miserable trying to chase them even if you're the government
0: or they could just take you until you pay what do you mean They can just arrest you until you pay and hold you in jail until you... We're not constitutional anymore. We're not following rules anymore. So there's really, you know, we're going back to Hank Reardon. There's really not much they can't do. And they're showing that they're willing to do things that no one would have believed a year ago. No one would have believed that you would be fined for not wearing a mask. No one would believe that you would be fined for having a restaurant open. No one would believe most of what's going on now. So why shouldn't they?
1: They come take your house, what are you gonna do? Well, they need to have pushback and we need to have pushback on as many fronts as we can. You know, the domestic terrorism bill, if it's passed, it needs to be challenged in court. And I know what you're gonna say about the courts, but you know, there are there are things in that bill, you know, the national nationalized voting, for instance, there's no way that there's constitutional authority for that. We should have Republicans and, and legislators and even citizens, we should file suits in every district of the country. That's what the left would do. And we should ask every one of these district court judges to issue a nationwide injunction. All we need is one of them to say, you're right, this is unconstitutional. We're gonna, you have a likelihood of success on the merits, we're gonna strike down, we're gonna enjoy an enforcement of this law.
0: Right, but it takes five minutes to get an appellate court to reverse that if they feel like it.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, there are rare, you you needed really special circumstances for an emergency appeal like that, I, I think the appellate courts probably would reverse. But remember, it's only we only have about seven hundred more days until the next Congress gets sworn in. So right now we got to stall a little bit. We got to p- drag things out. And you know, if we can do it with lawsuits, even if we're going to lose, it's fine. I mean, I don't want to lose, and it'll be better if we win. But if we can slow them down, get injunctions, the same way that uh, that the that the left and the Democrats prevented the repeal of DACA. DACA was an unconstitutional act by Obama in the first place, and nobody on the Supreme Court disagreed with that. Yet they still used the legal process to, to drag it out for four years. We only need to drag it out for less than two years now. So we're gonna we're gonna have to fight, you know and, and fighting means fighting.
0: Well, After I'm surprised the district court in Texas hasn't been overturned yet.
1: Because it doesn't happen that fast. I mean, unless there's some emergency reason, they'll probably get, they, they might get reversed in a couple of months. But every day that we buy is a day that we buy.
0: It's a pretty sad story.
1: You got to make the best of what you got. You got to play the cards you have, not the ones you wish you had.
2: Yeah, but you know, like you you said, Ed, early on, they're always the left is always they don't sleep. They're their they're, they're evil is conniving and they're always thinking ahead and you know, they're not playing in the moment now. Like sometimes I feel like we're always playing from behind. We're always trying to catch up. You know, prime example, here we are stuck because we never invested in the infrastructure for social media and now we're at hostage. Like, I really think we need to start getting our head in the game that, you know, we, we got to stop thinking beyond putting out this little fire now and this little fire now and get into the thinking farther ahead and not fighting from behind.
1: We got to walk and chew gum at the same time. We got to put out (laughs) fires and we got to be thinking long and building long-term. We got to do both.
2: And support each other. Like we're a mob.
1: Well, they're the mob. We're a big, happy family.
2: Yeah. So let's come up with a more happy word for it. We support each other like a happy family. I'll take it.
3: Happy warriors.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: As
0: long as we're allowed to talk to each other.
2: Right. That's right. That.
1: Well, Steve, I know you got booted off for a while. Did you want to say anything more? Do you want to start wrapping up? I want to apologize for getting booted off.
0: And I'm not even blaming this on the
1: Chinese government censoring our program.
0: I'm in a place where there should be good internet, but unfortunately it hasn't behaved, so I apologize. But I'll let everybody say anything they want to say in closing and then I can refute it. (laughs) Who do you want to start with? I do want to say one thing and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I'm on a conference call with a lot of people in California And we totally live in parallel universes. When people say you're entitled to your own feelings, but not your own facts, we're way past that. If you listen to them, you know, we had Marcus and his friend on a few weeks ago. If you listen to a group of Californians, there is nothing we have in common in terms of reality. They honestly believe that we rent to kill people in the Capitol. They honestly believe that Trump called for that they honestly believe that we are racist homophobes and we want to kill them all and there's just nothing in common and we do have different sets of facts and i don't think that's ever going to be overcome so i yield to jody so, uh,
2: you know i've been at this debate with people on the left for 11 years and i started out with such glorious notion that all they were like me you're just you're just missing actual facts and if you look at these facts you would understand, but I have learned painfully that truly when you really engage with these people, facts are irrelevant. The facts that you bring forward, they will totally ignore, they won't even engage in it. The response to facts that you bring forward, like really verifiable, logical reason facts, their response will usually be some sort of hyperbole and it will be emoting. And then when you ask them, okay, so convince me, bring me your facts, don't just tell me Trump did this, show me, show me. It always goes to this very vague, well, there's no, they cannot point to something. And these people think that that is totally okay. It is okay for them to ignore facts and it is okay for them to not have facts in their argument. And that is a, a mindset and a mentality that I will never, ever, ever understand. I really do believe that is the death of intellectualism. I think it's, it, it's antithetical to intellectualism. And that is really the way I have learned that the left runs. But for closing, I just wanted to, to say one thing about, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. I don't know if you guys remember and I think it was in August or September and we were we were all going about, you know, who's who's Biden going to pick for his VP and I was really hoping it was going to be Kamala because I kind of thought she was so extreme she'd ruin his chances and here we are today. And then I I had another one. I don't know if you guys remember we were talking about and I was saying, why don't we have national rules on, you know, state elections? There should be national rules. Again, Be careful what you wish for, because now they're trying to make that happen. And the rules aren't going to be good. So that's my closing.
0: Mike, you want to chip in anything?
3: Just real quick. I don't think Mike Lindell was the only victim of cancel culture over the past several days. I think Kurt Schilling has also been a victim of cancel culture. Um, if you follow baseball like I do, uh, he barely missed the Hall of Fame. I think he got 71%. You need 75%. And um, I think it's purely because of his politics. I mean, I think he's probably been controversial at times. There's probably some things he, he said he doesn't regret, that he would regret. But I think he still has been an asset to the game. He's worthy of induction. Um, as a matter of fact, there's, there's one voter. There's a guy named Jay Jaffe. Jay Jaffe who has written a book on who should be in the Hall of Fame, who shouldn't. He has created something called called Jaws, which is sort of like a statistic, like war to evaluate players and their credentials for being in the Hall of Fame. He has supported his election in the past, um, Schilling's election. But this year was the first year that Jay Jaffe actually got a chance to vote. And well, guess what? He didn't vote. He put up an entire post. He didn't vote for Schilling. He put up an entire post on fan graphs talks about Schilling's career, and then goes on off on a diatribe that sounds like any kind of nut you would hear on MSNBC. Schilling's basically a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, you name it, that's what he is. He he supported an insurrection at the Capitol. And not only am I not gonna vote for him now, but I refuse to vote for him next year and his last year. And one thing he said, one of the reasons he gave was because he didn't wanna give Schilling even more of a platform to spread um, hatred. So if you'll indulge me for just a minute, let me share with you a couple of tweets from Jay Jaffe. This was just uh, the other day on the 24th. There was an article where the, there was a quote from Kevin McCarthy in the house. And said He said, we're eating shampoo. Use my, don't want to use my French. We're eating shampoo for breakfast, lunch and dinner right now. An aide to McCarthy told Axios. Jay Jaffe tweeted, open wide, you should be eating shampoo for brunch, afternoon tea and midnight snack too. <clears throat> He's also, uh, Rand Paul on Fox News it was quoted as saying, if you read his speech and listen to it carefully, much of it is thinly veiled innuendo calling us white supremacists, calling us racist, calling us every name in the book, calling us people who didn't tell the truth. Jaffe says, if the shampoo covered shoe fits, That's just a couple of examples. Uh, Jay Jaffe is full of hatred. Uh, He has a pretty big platform because he's well-known in baseball circles, but I thought that was worthy of sharing um, to show that Kurt Schilling is not being treated fairly. I don't think Jay Jaffe is the only one that is that vitriolic um, when it comes to some of the sports media that are out there, but um, for politics to get in the way of somebody's induction to the Hall of Fame when they didn't cheat, Jaffe, by the way, voted for Bonds and Clemens, two, two big cheaters, but didn't vote for Clemens. I, I think it's just wrong.
1: Well, um, as a Yankee fan most of my life, who had Kurt Schilling break my heart in 2001 and 2004, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Mike. There is no question that Kurt Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame. There's no question that he's being kept out based on his politics and, and not, not just any politics. I mean, if he, if he really were an insurrectionist or he committed violence in the name of his political beliefs, that might be one thing, but this guy by any metric, I don't know about the statistics. I mean, I I can't give you the statistics the way I think you could. Uh, But I, I watched baseball and he was a dominant pitcher that led three different teams into the World Series. He led the Phillies to the World Series. They didn't win. He led the Diamondbacks to win a World Series championship together with Randy Johnson in 2001. And he was part of the Miracle Red Sox team that broke up the curse in 2004. Um, the bloody sock game alone is almost enough for, for induction. Uh, it, it's outrageous. I saw Kurt I saw Schilling's post about that and, and I felt I felt for him. I, I completely sympathize with him. And, you know, as much as, you know, I'm a boy from the Bronx and hating the Red Sox was just part of my DNA for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I hated the Yankee signing guys like Johnny Damon uh, and uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. But um, I, I'm totally in, in, behind Kurt Schilling on that one. Um, as far as, um, you know, closing the show, I think I think that we're seeing a police state being built around us. Culturally, it's being supported by various, um, by various factions in our society. Uh, and I think faction is the exactly proper word to use. Anyone familiar with Federalist Number 10 should go back and read it. Or if you haven't read it, uh, we, we are dealing with a faction that has gotten control of our government, that is acting adverse to the, to the interest of, of, uh, of our liberties. And um, we need to we need to use all methods to fight it. And we need to recognize that if it's not stopped at the cultural level, it's going to spread. And as I said earlier on the show has already begun to spread to the political level. Um, And, you know, DC is now a garrison state, forget about whether it's going to be admitted as the 51st state. Um, We had an inauguration We had all this talk about the peaceful transfer of power. Trump was gone by eight o'clock in the morning. And yet the city of Washington DC was patrolled by, we thought armed National Guardsmen. It turns out a lot of them were disarmed, but uh, it was militarized and there was barbed wire and fences. We've never, I mean, not in the modern era have we ever had an inauguration where the people couldn't come out and support their new president. Now, I wouldn't have gone out to support him, and maybe not a lot of people would have, but if you're going to try and celebrate the peaceful transition of power, it sure is one hell of a way to do it by militarizing, putting troops everywhere, preventing people from seeing the, from seeing the inauguration in person, um, and, and putting barbed wire fences up all over the city. And you know, we've talked about all the cancel culture that's going on, and, and the politicians are going to follow from that. And and part and not only not only are they going to follow, but so many of these big corporations are already in bed with these with, with these politicians. And it's hard to set to know where the where the dividing line is between private action and government action. But regardless of where it is, we need to be prepared to fight. And you know, that doesn't make me an insurrectionist to say that, but we need to be prepared to fight. And we need to be prepared to deal with an enemy that's trying to, to not just destroy, but kill us. Um, And I I think that's just how I want to end the show today. I know uh, we've had some technical difficulties during, during the show. Um, You know, Stephen has been in and out and I think that he's having some technical difficulties now. So I'm going to just give Jody and and Mike a, a final chance to say something if they'd like. And uh, otherwise, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, Jody, do you have anything I wanna, to say?
2: I just want to add to something you said about you know um, all the National Guard there. I, that is, I think, part of the endless and ongoing political theater that helps Democrats frame whatever they're trying to frame, and that was to help put this spotlight on. See, we told you, MAGA people are this dangerous. It it fuels that. Um, the 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 weaponizing of the words that they do to 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 put in the mindset of people that MAGA people are this dangerous that we need to militarize.
1: And meanwhile, um, that, that's based on one that's based on one breaching of the Capitol that didn't involve weaponry, and Portland is again under siege. The Democratic Party headquarters has been under siege, yeah. um, and, and violently attacked. The Democrats say nothing. They don't send National Guard troops to protect the of Portland or Seattle or Tacoma or any other place where violent mobs from the left are, are out destroying people. So uh, as I've said many times on this show, anytime the left makes an accusation, it's really an admission.
2: So true. Good talk to you guys.
1: All right, Mike, do you have anything else you wanna say? Stephen, are you you able to say anything? I'm just going to
0: close off the show because I have a lot of background noise for which I apologize. So have a great week. We again apologize for the technical problems. We'll be up as a podcast as soon as possible. And we'll see you all next week, 4 o'clock, and hopefully it'll go much smoother. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, everybody.
2: Bye, guys.